Welcome to the next Up for Discussion episode. Today we are continuing our series called Echoing a New Narrative, and today is Echoing a New Narrative on the Mountain of Religion. Religion. Um, this is when we get to talk about God's beautiful bride and his incredible church. Um, if you have not been a part of this series, we strongly encourage you, whatever area of culture that you're called to, mm -hmm. go back through the series. You know, we say this over and over again, but you cannot give away what you don't have. And that's why we continually refocus and reorient our hearts around the truth of who God is for us in each of these areas of culture. His kingdom is, is um, complete, encompassing everything. Yeah. His kingdom isn't just for our soul for eternity. His kingdom is for every problem that exists in every area of culture because our God is the solution for every problem that exists, not just the problems of our personal lives or personal hearts. Right. And so when we talk about echoing a new narrative, obviously we're all pretty aware now that there, there is a narrative that is you know pretty intentional, not only by the enemy, but by those who are partnering some unknowingly with the enemy. And ultimately there is a lie that's at the heart, at the root of every issue in culture. And it's usually a lie about who God is. Right. So we're gonna just briefly touch on that aspect, the, the narrative that we're coming up against as it relates to religion. And specifically, um, what is the new narrative? What is the kingdom echo that we're called to run with when we make an impact and we talk about changing the world, how much more so do we need to change this area of culture? Now, just to kind of launch us into yep. the discussion, um, some people might be curious, like, why did you call this the mountain of religion rather than the mountain of Christianity or the mountain of God or the mountain of worship? Why did we specifically choose the word religion? Well, the word religion really covers what we're talking about because it's not just about Christianity. It is the mountain, the mountain of religion is the mountain where how do we have access to God in eternity is determined. And so you have the various religions have their, um, you know, they have their instruction on how that takes place, whether it's uh, Islam through believing in the prophet Muhammad and they have end time perspectives uh, uh, that they go by there's buddhism hinduism all the hinduisms all the all the religions basically have how we have access to god and more importantly i suppose in that is uh how do we gain eternal life how to have you know they can call it something else or whatever and so this is specifically the mountain where all this uh, all these dynamics are being fought over wrestled about, and of course, the part that um, we identify right away for Christianity, how it's different than all the other religions. All the, you know, every religion is somewhat different from the other, obviously, as well. But there is this understanding that it, all, it is all built on what Jesus did on the cross. Mm -hmm. So it's a grace-based um, aspect of our interaction with God. Where, Versus performing <clears throat> and what, checking yeah. off boxes. Right. Islam, there is, you know, if you do 
this, this, this. They have things that we do in Christianity. There's fasting. There's the month of Ramadan specifically where you fast. And then there's the hours you fast. It's, you know, it's a, a religion that... Um, Judaism. You know, is the Judaism same. the same. And Phariseeism just works. Catholicism. On, on all that. Well, Catholicism, you have to kind of list that a little differently because officially they actually changed not that long ago by not that long ago it's in the last 20 years if you go to their official website that salvation is only through jesus christ and the blood of jesus so from a standpoint of officially from the catholic church that is a correct but uh, for generations and generations it it was um not that it well, was just through the priest yeah the, confession the, yeah. and all that they barter they barter for uh, for you on on your behalf, and so that's why Martin Luther protested against that. It's like no, there's it's only faith, and we have access personally ourselves, mm -hmm. and that is one of the, the things that makes it different. So obviously, as <clears throat> Christians, that is our religion, which of course we see it more as relationship than religion. But officially, in that in in the cultural type of uh, reference. It is a religion. Christianity is a religion among other religions. Um, but why should Christians care about other religions? Why should, why should we care about this area of culture in a more inclusive way rather than just care about our niche of what we know to be true and correct religion? And, and I will just add that um, I would say we're also talking about this area of culture as it relates to the capacity that humans have for faith in something that they cannot see. Um, and so it kind of encompasses when we talk about them, when we talk about the mountain of religion, it's just basically any, any topic related to any issue related to faith. Right. Yeah. Um, so and, why should Christians? We have a couple of reasons. One is it does help secure our truth because sometimes it's like oh say what do we believe and sometimes when you know what you don't believe you know what you do believe True. and so mm -hmm. um because if you're just a child i you know we grew up in church and and if if you miss a, a particular sunday you can all of a sudden be thinking salvation is through your works and behaving right. well mm -hmm. there was like I, I grew up and there was just a lot of when you're behaving that's the essence of Christianity. When you're not behaving, that's the essence of following the devil. It sneaks in, even though we have theology in our Bible that's clearly not that. It sneaks in through our propensity as humans to want to gravitate towards religion rather than relationship. Exactly. And so then another major reason is, uh, you know, part of our assignment is to share the good news. You can call it evangel, you know, evangelizing, but we just talk about sharing our life and sharing the good news. And so it's good to know your audience. And if your audience is not a believer, if they're not Christians, uh, you know, you find yourself in a neighborhood and whether they're either they're Jews or Muslims or Hindus or Buddhists or, or whatever else, um, you, you have some help there if you understand their grid, where they're coming from. And if you can identify quickly where there's an area of difference. And it's not about you know, learning to argue so much as understanding that uh, that in establishing your relationship with the Lord and how to express it, um, there is ways it can be helpful. It's just, you can learn to present it in a way that can be accepted by another. Not that it all has to be so, 
it's definitely, you know, we understand from the scriptures that it's not through rationalization that we get there. There's the Holy Spirit is already drawing people. And so if the Holy Spirit is drawing someone who really has been, we'll say, uh, feeding at a different trough or eating at a, uh, <clears throat> at a different buffet, then it just helps uh, in understanding how to approach them. So I would add to that another reason why, before we get into some of the nitty gritty of what we want to share, I would add that um, it's important for Christians to think of all religions and not just Christianity also because in culture, um, there are there are laws and there are mentalities that that are part of that evil agenda to shut down any faith that either doesn't line up with whoever is trying to rule and control population and culture or um, you know and and we fight for the freedom to choose or not choose a religion and which religion, which faith to have because God does. God has created an environment of freedom in the earth that we're meant to steward over so that when someone does choose a relationship with God through Jesus, it's not out of force or works or obligation or anything other than free will because that's by definition what makes it real and authentic. And God doesn't want something that's not real and authentic. That's why he created us instead with a choice instead of robots that would just automatically have to choose him. And he put us in an environment where we can't see him and it requires faith because I believe if we could see him, you know, there's this level of irresistibility that I have to believe would be there. So we need to care because we're called to help safeguard the environment of freedom that allows choice. And if there aren't other choices, then is it really a choice? Right. And then we'll get into um, specifically this word from Revelation 5, 12 called honor. And why are we called to restore honor back to this area of culture? And what, what does that look like? But I don't want to get ahead. So it's a teaser. Yeah. And so we didn't mention new ageism if we call it that. Or that's, Satanism. Right. Well, yeah, I just don't believe that's a true religion. I just think that's sort of a protest. Uh, <laughs> they think it is. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's, it's not, it's like, no, we've chosen not to be believers. And so that's the direction you can argue it or not. But New Ageism um, and understanding what they believe, many aspects of what would be the New Age have, uh, you know, there's parallels or close uh, either we call it close counterfeits or in some ways they go in and out of the correct path. Mm -hmm. And so we can be confused ourselves if we don't have an understanding of how the Lord wants us to process and believe things. And so, and I, I just think it's also part of kingdom uh, communication ethics that in, you know, we see that the way the Lord would do, he would pray somebody for what they did have, what they did do, or whether you can look at the seven letters to in the churches in Revelation. You do this. I like that. Yeah. But this is what you need to correct. Not that we need to be doing that when we're, we'll say, presenting the gospel to someone else. But there's something like it wouldn't be a bad thing. And I could see Jesus doing that if he's talking with some with the new age. He's like, well, I love it that you understand that there's this thing called presence 
because uh, they might use different language for and, and they're centering yourself and that meditation. And so then it gives you an opportunity to just, you know, I just see a little bit different. This is where we invite the Holy Spirit and we're communing with the Holy Spirit. So our language is a little different. And there's this thing of being in alignment with the universe. And it's like, I just don't think he's impersonal universe. I think it's a God, uh, you know, personal yeah. God. And I'm kind of skipping points that we, we could talk about as well. And even I've, I've been mentioning uh, Islam, Muslims, it's like, just love it that y'all are pro-family. Um, um, and so there, there are ways, even because we're kind of, you know, there's so many aspects we could talk about. We're talking about if we're presenting the gospel really to those who come from somewhere else, the value of knowing, back to the point you were mentioning, why it's important to know. If you know where they come from, you can validate the things you know that are kingdom. Because, let me just say on that, because it can be a kingdom reality. Like if you're pro-family, pro-peace, pro-freedom, uh, uh, pro-presence, peaceful, loving, those are kingdom aspects. It's just that you kind of miss the point when you separate kingdom aspects from the king himself. Mm -hmm. And But they, you can still val validate that. So you're talking about maintaining bridges wherever we yeah. can with our fellow human beings. I mean, why wouldn't we do that? I think sometimes we get so, because our our concept of God, we think subconsciously that God is going to be mad at us if we, um, if we're not just so set apart from the world. But when we build bridges, then we can have friendship with sinners like Jesus did. And we can have those in time, deeper conversations. If nothing else, they're able to experience the love of God through us. And so I'll just jump ahead to that one part. You know, we've talked about this book, Rise, a Reformer's Handbook um, for the Seven Mountains. And this is out of print currently, but maybe when you're watching this in months to come, this will be back in print. We are working on that actively right now. But we also have it as an online video course those links will be in the description today. But in the very back of this book is an incredible chart. And it just highlights a lot of the key points that we break down in each chapter. But one of the things in the chart is that we have um, this revelation that God gave you early on when you were hearing from the Lord about this idea of culture and the seven mountains and changing the world um, with the gospel of the kingdom. And God showed you from when John was caught up into heaven in Revelation 5, 12, and he heard them singing a new song. This was after Jesus paid the price on the cross and he was resurrected. The lamb was found worthy. And, and it says, worthy is the lamb, this new song he heard them singing, worthy is the lamb to receive glory and honor and riches and power and etc. There were seven specific things that were listed that he is worthy to receive. And so as we are restoring the face of God into these areas of culture, there are seven distinct things um, that we're offering back up to him because he's worthy of it. And the one that you um, connected to the mountain of religion was this word honor. Mm -hmm. Worthy is the Lord to receive honor. And when you study into that without getting into what's actually in the book here, basically what we're talking about is honor is what you think it is. It's it's like building bridges. It's affirming what is right, what is true. It's um, certainly not 
forcing your beliefs on someone else and taking that to the extreme, which some religions and even Satanism is an agenda behind it to actually remove, if necessary, kill people that believe differently. Christianity obviously should be the most honorable expression of faith on the planet where we would never kill in the name of God because somebody doesn't believe like we do. And that should that should be a standard that we can call all religions to. Even if we disagree on everything else, it is it is honor to say I respect your right as a human being to choose to have faith or not and what you will have faith in as long as it does not hurt or kill another person. Yeah, that's very good. And so this honor thing was so uh, so revelatory in describing what is supposed to be released on the mountain of religion. Yeah. It's supposed to function under an atmosphere of honor. And so honor, when you look at it, the, the key part, of, of course, is the honor, honor towards God. God. Right. And, and there talks about honoring your your parents as well, but honoring, honoring God. And that's, uh, you know, the atmosphere of heaven as described to us, even by John, when he goes there, it's like you have 24 elders casting their crowns before him. Um, Worthy is the lamb that was slain. And so there is an environment of worship. It's an environment of worship, but the the specific aspect that we want to talk about with honor, Mm -hmm. honor is that which is due someone because of what he did. Mm. And so, it's the lamb gave his life. And so there is this honor. But honor is, when properly understood, is the part you're ac- accenting on, is free will. And so that's what makes it so beautiful. That's what makes the culture of honor awesome. If you have to, if you're going to get a, a lash on your back, like if, if, the, if the 24 elders um, have to every 10 minutes, because Michael's with the whip behind him. <laughs> right. If they have to, you know, worthy are you? And they cast their crowns. If they have to do that yeah. because they're obligated to, it's no longer the culture of honor. Right. It is despotic. It's, uh, you know, it's tyranny. And so that's the atmosphere of heaven. And once you understand the throne room dynamic and how the heaven operates, mm-hmm. then you go, okay, that's just what has to yeah. come down the whole mountain. So that's why we would embrace uh, this honorable way of interacting even with those who are not yet in a place of recognizing who their God is, who their, who their king is. And when we talk about a culture of honor, you know, I know Danny Silk has incredible teaching on that. Um, but I think of the fact that I, I treat someone in an honorable way because that is my character that I want to have. I want to be a person of honor. So I I look for anything that I can honor in another person. Well, that's or another religion. No, but in in carrying that out, Mm -hmm. that's really good. Is if we understand, if we can remind ourselves um, of some foundational realities that rather than looking at someone, oh, they're a New Ageist, they are Muslim, they are a Hindu, whatever else, whatever the the, even atheist, whatever, it's like they are uh, in His image. And so right. there is a there is an honor that That's we are right. to give those who are also made in His That's image. Right. It's still it's honoring Him and recognizing well His image is there, and so you know perhaps we lost some of that by overemphasizing a doctrine of original sin, 
and original sin had like no everybody's just kind of worthless we had you know uh, this particular message of Jonathan Edwards is not one of my favorites where he's like <laughs> we're just we're maggots we're worms we're worthy of nothing but hell until Jesus um, was that the sinners in the hands of yeah, an angry sinner, God and it's and it's like we're not worth anything until we receive Jesus it's not true uh, he died you know he wouldn't die for all of humanity if they were worthless so he proved was, our value to him yeah. by dying. So before original sin is original design. We could say original glory. And so it's when you talk to every single person, you realize we, are, we come from the same spark. That spark being the father. He's the father of lights. He dreamed us up. Yeah. And so we don't put this separation of you're uh, a hellbound, uh, you know, scoundrel. And we are these elite, whatever else. And so it, it, it helps us operate in a context of honor, even as we advance the kingdom of God. That's why the kingdom of God, yeah. we state over and over, cannot be advanced through imposition. Right. Uh, we're only imposing on darkness. Right. We do take on powers and principalities. We cast out demons. We do that. But with everything that's made in his image, there is a whole context of of honor and free will that we value, we recognize, we understand this is how heaven operates. And when he first came and established the Garden of Eden, he did not want, you know, there was not like, you shall not eat of a fruit uh, other than the ones we told you, or there's a whip coming. There was a free will context for that. So it's just huge for us to understand yeah. that that's a dynamic. Uh, you know, we still have not even talked into kind of in our in a little bit of time that we will cover this is not going to be exhaustive we just kind of have enough time to, to cover some bases that it's the holy spirit the operation of the holy spirit yeah. the presence of the holy spirit that is to be championed above everything else this mountain of religion that's how this right. atmosphere of honor gets advanced gets established that's who he is he's our teacher he's our counselor where the spirit of the lord is there is freedom see yeah. freedom recognizing freedom thriving in freedom uh, r recognizing the value of it towards others is part of uh, a reality that takes place. A fruit of the Holy Spirit operating yeah. in us is where we, we understand that's to be advanced. Of course, the Holy Spirit, the power, the presence, those are two differentiators of, we'll say, the true church, the kingdom of God versus what shows up in other, uh, in most other religions, is that they're supposed to be presence. They're supposed to be true power. You know, Jesus came. The kingdom is here. Repent. I'm doing my way. I'm showing you my way, as opposed to what the Pharisees' way was, which is about rules. See, that's mm -hmm. not. That's not what's to be advanced on that's this mountain. Order and rules, not freedom. Not freedom. So, basically, we're also saying that you know God cares about sin. Therefore, we're called to care about sin. But God cares about sin because he cares about us. Yes, yes. And so therefore, we need to care about sin, but only in the context of caring about others. That's that honor piece. So, all right, one more question. And then I know you have a little direction you want to go into as well. So when we talk about, um, I don't know where the scripture is. You're my walking concordance. So let's see if you know where this is. Um, just a, a test. Okay, okay. Um, in the last days, I think it says, the mountain of the house of the Lord will be exalted above all other mountains. 
So where's that scripture? Isaiah 2.2. I knew he'd know it. Also in Micah 4.4, I think. All right. (laughs) And so when we're talking about the seven mountains of culture, religion being one of them, this is the way I kind of draw this up in my mind, and you tell me if this is correct. I think of, okay, there will always be these seven distinct areas of culture, which, by the way, are seven distinct faces and aspects of who God is, but they're not exhaustive. They're just like a template that God has given us to be able to experience him. No matter what nation, what age, we all are, we can all easily identify with these seven areas. But this area of faith, religion, worship, um, I envision it as the mountain of the house of the Lord. It's like within that, there's all these on the low level, there's all these It's like jockeying for position. Who is God? Who is the Lord? And how do we know him? And as that question gets answered, as the kingdom comes more and more and more to the earth, then the mountain of the house of the Lord, not not the local church, but the church, capital C, the bride, um, those who follow Jesus, I wouldn't even say Christianity, but those who follow Jesus, that becomes the mountain of the house of the Lord that in time will just supersede not only all other religions, but all other areas of culture. Because as we correctly perceive who he is and embrace his better ways of doing things, his kingdom in each of these areas of culture, then then who he is and what he's done for us just begins to take over everything, all, all understanding, all beliefs, it all becomes centered around him. And I'll add to that. I think it's important that it's not Christianity that becomes the mountain that takes over everything else, because that would just be another religion. I just think of it as the mountain of the house of the Lord, because even that language is like, when you talk about a house, you're talking about family. It it implies relationship. What do you think? Well, what's really good about that is the Isaiah 2-2 scripture says nations will come to the mountain of the house of the Lord. We want to notice that. Not nations will be imposed upon. Nations will come. And so the takeover is, is kind of the incorrect language right. for it. It's, you know, Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. If we lift them up the way he's supposed to, the God of all life, not just the God of rules and the God that wants you to sign on the dotted line so you can make it to heaven, but the God who knows how to run media economy, all the other things that we've been covering, then we are presenting him in a way where he is the desire of the nations, as Haggai uh, 2 shares as well, that the desire of the nations will come. He's going to shake the nations with who he is, and because there is such a distorted perspective on who God is generally through all the other religions. He's almost always harsh, demanding. Um, we do not have a benevolent God. Uh, if it's a personal God, you'll, when he's benevolent are the religions that believe in the universe and, and things like that. But those who believe in a personal God, he's, he's always the one that wants to impose in that kind of way. So, it it uh, it is just even instructive in that um, in those passages that come out of Isaiah and Micah of in the last days the mountain of the house of the Lord be exalted in the tops of the mountains but it's about his beauty 
his characteristics, his faces, the aspects of who he is, you know, and hopefully that's not strange language for uh, any of you. You understand, even if you just do a study on the names of God, one of them is Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides, Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. And so there's Jehovah, you know, about a hundred of them. There's and so, limitless <clears throat> aspects of who he is. There, right. And, yeah. But there's seven that are um, highlighted, primarily highlighted in every every nation on the earth. Mm -hmm. And we know we make a connection between the seven spirits of God, the seven colors of the rainbow and the seven mountains. Cause there there's the connection is made in the scripture. That's kind of explained, <coughs> explained in other uh, passages that we have, but. And I know that when, when we get into um, each area of culture, we talk about in, in this book, we talk about the, the spirit or the demonic that, we now know has a narrative, a false narrative. And when we talk about the enemy on this mountain, it's important to recognize the enemy yeah. so that we make sure we're going in the opposite spirit um, of the <coughs> counterfeit. And and on this one, it's parasites, which represent the work of idolatry, strategically designed to bring people and people groups under the dominion of religiosity. And the religious spirit is the principality on this mountain that represents false worship. And again, that enemy can operate just as easily in Christianity as it can in any other religion. Yeah, so just so you didn't, didn't think that Elizabeth just mispronounced parasites and called them parasites, um, it's P-E-R-I-Z-Z-I-T-E-S. The children of Israel, the promised land they went to, they had seven ites, the ites or the you know, it was the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Hivites, the Canaanites, and one of them was the Perizzites, not parasites, but it's very parasitical who the enemy is, no doubt about it. <clears throat> and, um, and it represents idolatry. And so just to dig what Elizabeth just mentioned here a little, little further. Mm -hmm. So religious spirit is about false worship. And a religious spirit will invent, reinvent itself at every level of your walk with God. It's true. And so, and so, in doing so, he's always, what is false worship? Is worship stealing. So there is the very practical, easy way of recognizing. We talk idolatry, the children of Israel. It took God hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years with all the prophets prophesying, and they still didn't really extinguish it. Um, and, and Baal worship primarily, but other false idols as well. Just something that directly stands in the place of God and says, I am your provision. I am your provider. And, and so they would just be brief seasons. You know, we look under, under King David and certain times under Moses and, and, and Joshua, and then at different moments during the judges, but there was this continually going back to idols. Um, and these are things, you know, that kind of idolatry maybe be might be a head scratcher for Christians today, but the way when the enemy continues to reinvent himself mm -hmm. to steal worship, <clears throat> he's looking to diminish who God is intent, intended to be in our lives. And one of the way, what well, primary way is in diminishing the work of the Holy Spirit. And so, uh, you know, it, once you understand what the enemy is trying to do, you understand God is operating in the opposite spirit of that, not because he looks at what the enemy's doing and tries to do the opposite spirit, because we recognize that what the enemy is trying to do, he, he is he is trying to distort, contort, eliminate that which is being promoted. So the move of the Holy Spirit is what's being advanced on the mountain of religion in, in every way. And so how the enemy comes 
you know, he'll, he'll attempt it directly. First of all, he wants you not being a believer at all. And so he'll attempt to seduce you with whatever of the other isms that we're talking about and have you believing in a more direct form of idolatry. But then if you become a believer, then he'll then he'll try to niche you in where you where you're that. It's like more okay, subtle, subtle. It's Jesus only. It's Jesus, 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 and Holy Spirit is is like on the side. Then you you get come. Okay, we have to at least start mentioning the Holy Spirit. It's kind of where the church is has gone through. But still, yeah, don't actually invite him in or invite him in. But he can't manifest. He can't show up. He can't show his power. And so then you have a kind of a neutered Holy Spirit. He's he's allowed theologically and theoretically, but he's not allowed actually to showcase presence. And he's, you know, speaking in tongues is out. You don't want healing. If it's going to make people shake and for them to get healed, no, 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 we don't, we don't want that. So we have to be aware that the Holy Spirit is always being contended against and warred against by a religious spirit. And he seeks to do it at every level. Um, and, you know, you just, it, he never stops and he never stops trying to diminish uh, our view and our valuing of of God in His full uh, in His full seven uh, faced reality, if we if we put it that way. So good, and I mean that just can't be overemphasized. We cannot possibly bring more of the kingdom to earth, heaven on earth, without more and more of the Holy Spirit in our lives individually and in the church, in the ecclesia, and in our local churches. Um, Jesus advanced the kingdom always with power. There was always a power encounter involved with signs, wonders, miracles. He demonstrated the kingdom. He told the disciples, when you go out, heal the sick, um, raise the, the dead, dead, cast out demons, yeah. all of it, and tell them the good news of the kingdom. It, it always goes hand in hand. So it makes sense why the enemy would be okay, literally, okay? What we are hearing, if this is true, and I think that it is, that one of the intentional agendas of the deep state or whoever you want to call them has been to infiltrate the body of Christ with false um, leaders leaders who, who really promote and are good at promoting Jesus as savior and the neutering. I like the word that you chose there because that's what it is, neutering everything else. Basically neutering the power, not only of the Holy Spirit in our lives, but the power of, um, of the effectiveness of the ecclesia, of the bride of Christ, mm -hmm. because as you say so often, We've been for generations now so focused on just get us out of here, rapture us, come now instead of when we're a little more mature. Um, and, and when you're focused on just getting to heaven instead of bringing heaven to earth, you are neutered. You're powerless in advancing the kingdom of God in a real way in, in, a, in a generation. No, well said. And we see the effects of it in society and all of these issues that have come up because we've been neutered. Right. In, in the neutering, it's eliminating Jesus' first message. You are the salt of the earth. Mm -hmm. You are the light of the world. He tells us that we're the ones that are responsible uh, for that. It means carrying his presence, carrying his solutions, carrying who he is into every area of society. So the enemy has flooded our seminaries and and our denominations from some time ago. And so we have these created, cra creative, crafty uh, doctrines and, and 
you know, religious instructions basically to keep us on, we'll call it the mountain of religion, yeah. where we just stay on that mountain, <clears throat> try to get some people saved, you know, tell everybody their sins, be on that mountain, be yelling out, oh, you're doing it wrong, you're doing it wrong, you're doing it wrong. So you're just cutting off any bridge at all and yeah. making no connection in that kind of way. Totally a dishonoring culture that we advance in. And it gets uh, looked at and, and, and particularly um, the next generations, the younger generations are always disgusted by, by that approach. And so we have, um, uh, we, we want to be uh, aware of how the enemy operates. And so here's, here's something um, just instructive for us, you know, and, and numbers on, on how many, what percentage of, uh, of believers there are in the world or whatever, there's some discrepancy in argument, but it's, it's between, uh, there's around two and a half billion followers of Jesus Christ on planet Earth. But in that followers of Jesus Christ, there's kind of all, all levels. There's the offensive ones. There are the neutered ones. They are the ones that, uh, you know, are, are really uh, carriers of the flame of the presence and really uh, the, the establishers of the kingdom on Earth. It's been, you know, we need that to continue to grow more and more. Mm -hmm. But for instance, uh, before 1900, um, you know, there was I, part of the research I did was in 1900 that there was one in 27 on planet Earth mm -hmm. that were tr truly born again, mm -hmm. one in 27. And the latest number is now that it's either one in three or one in four. Again, that's where the, the argument. And so what would happen in a little over in a 120 year period, what would happen to make that big a difference where uh, you go from uh, one in 27 to one in three and four. And it's focus on present, present person and presence of the Holy Spirit. So you have, if you want to look at pre Azusa Street time, the early 1900s, and that revival showed up in different ways. Uh, I, it was a revival, but it was an outbreak of the Holy Spirit, attention to the Holy Spirit, to the gifts of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, uh, believing in power again, and the Lord, again, presence, power, presence, power. That was that was pretty much eliminated pre-1900. It was the tiniest, not even 1% of the population of believers that was carrying that. So not only was there uh, worldwide much lower level of, of numbers of Christians, but it was a very low-grade Christianity. It was more about rules. It was more about a commitment to do right. It was kind of uh, the culture, whatever nation you were, was a Christian nation. That's just what you did. It's almost like it, it wasn't a sacrifice to be a believer. It was a sacrifice if you're not going to be a believer because, no, this is just what we're Christian. We do this, and so it was. A, we behave. We're Christian. So it was, it was more about that than understanding that we are to carry this presence, this power, these solutions for every area of society. So this explosion of the Holy Spirit has taken place. And so now worldwide, it's over 700 million people Incredible. that say, you know, no, I have received a baptism in the Holy Spirit. I've received what he wants to do. And again, even in, in that crowd, there's different, there's like, okay, the whole point is just so I speak in tongues. And there's like, no, the point is so that I reveal the king and his kingdom in every That's area right. of society. So these are areas we're being upgraded in, in and constantly, but this is why we're now headed into a, a fast forwarding of of fast forwarding of kingdom reveal on planet earth because we have enough sons and daughters we're the uh, uh, you know we, we've acted like we're the minority for forever 
And um, there are certain nations and multiple nations, there's true persecution, uh, true, true martyrdom, but we're literally, followers of Jesus are the number one majority on planet earth. Mm-hmm. And so the enemy comes in, the religious spirit is, is, is there to make us ineffective, back to the neutered, to, to neuter us through uh, putting emphasis. This is what the Holy. This is what a, a religious spirit will do: is have you put tons of emphasis on something that's minutia. minutia. Right. That's the Pharisees. It says, like you tithe down to the last yeah. mint or coming, and you've forgotten the weightier matters of the law. I want to speak into that because um, I know we're about we're winding down. Winding down. Do we're going to go a little shorter this time. And we could talk three hours straight about it. <laughs> just, that's just me. It's so good. Um, I want to make an interesting parallel. So, okay. So go with me here for a second. All right. And it's what you're just talking about. That, that, that mentality, that religious spirit that drives us to get more and more laser focused or hyper focused on something. And usually it's a behavior. And that is that religious spirit. That's the enemy on this mountain. Why is that the enemy on this mountain? It is the enemy on this mountain because he doesn't want us to see the face of God we were meant to see in this through this area of culture that we know as faith, which is the face of God is redeemer. Redeemer means we don't have to perform. Jesus did it all for us. Now out of the overflow of our relationship with him, we get to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to, to behave sh- like royalty. Yeah. To behave like royalty, to grow into our Christ-likeness and to love people through their process of them becoming Christ-like. So that simplicity is meant to assure our hearts of the thing that usually drives people towards false religion or false worship, which is the need to feel eternally secure. That's a need. Each of these areas of culture, Mm -hmm. we were born Mm -hmm. to need something that only God could give us, right? In economy, we were meant to need provision and and to ultimately get it from our provider, God. In religion, we were meant to need to know that we will live forever in the presence of the one who created us. And so we search as humans for how can we be the most sure of that? And sometimes it feels more secure to be able to see a list and check off the list. And so God gave us the law, knowing that that would drive us to realizing as a society at some point, which we did, we cannot behave good enough. We will never be good enough. It's impossible. There was only one and it was Jesus and he is our redeemer. And because he is our redeemer, we are assured of the need that we have to be assured for our eternity with him. Okay. So we have that. Here's the interesting parallel. I believe, and I'm going to use an example of a current event that just happened in our city here yesterday. Um, And I don't know if all of these facts at this point are completely accurate or not. So please give us grace if I say something that ends up being different than what I'm saying right now. But the scenario that we're currently understanding is there was um, a shooting in a private Christian elementary school, Presbyterian school. And um, 
the the 28 year old girl who came in and shot six people. Three of them were students at this elementary school. And one of the students from what I understand at this time is a, a little girl that was nine years old and she was the pastor's daughter of that church. And um, he had spoken out, I don't know if it was on a Sunday or in some capacity, he had gone on the record to say that there are only two genders. And this 28 year old girl was a uh, transgender. So she had transitioned to a male. And the implication is she was angry that, that this pastor went on the record. My point and where this connects with what we're talking about right now is as a generation of believers, we are in the process of shifting and transitioning into um, an unneutered version of the ecclesia, meaning the enemy has tried one of the ways is to niche us. Here's the parallel. The parallel is it's easier to see sometimes in another area. We're also waking up as a generation to the fact that most doctors right now in typical medical industry are so laser focused because they were taught in school to only study their specialty. So if you're a pulmonologist, all you know pretty much is the lungs. So you don't think about the fact that the lungs could be connected to an infection going on in the sinuses. And so an ENT who specializes in the sinuses probably doesn't think to also check the lungs because you could have the same infection that's draining into your lungs, for example. And so they're hyper fixated on their specialty. Well, the enemy has made sure that through generations, we as the church and specifically our leaders have been hyper focused on behavior and on just getting out of here and into eternity so that we can check that box of I've made it into heaven. And as we're saying, not modeling as leaders in the body of Christ, what it means to declare and speak the truth of the gospel of the kingdom, which is not just about what happens in our hearts, in our souls for eternity. And it's not just about what happens in the four walls of the church. This pastor was brave. And I pray that he and his family and that church have zero regrets, even though they're facing the most horrible tragedy, that, that he was brave enough to speak the truth because the immediate truth, even though it's hurtful to someone who is mentally ill and struggling with what gender they are, it is long-term more hurtful to society. Number one, when the leaders of the church, of the ecclesia, are not willing to speak out the truth that we have in scripture related to problems in every area of culture, in every area of our hearts and lives. The Bible has a lot to say about our identity and even our sexual identity. Um, and it doesn't mean we don't love people that are struggling with this. It doesn't mean we don't accept them and allow them to have every right as people in our society, even if we just agree to disagree. But it should not mean that, that our voices from our leaders should be neutered. And 
And because we have been niched by the enemy to hyper-focus on the one thing, we're, we're finding our voice right now. And as we do, we're going to take hits, tragic, horrible, traumatic hits. But we cannot back away from love and accepting people that are different than us, whether it be different religion, faith, or understanding of life or different aspects of culture, while at the same time we cannot back down from what we know to be truth that Jesus gave us access to through the Holy Spirit, through Scripture. That's good, and we're, we're needing to wind this up. You kind of started something new that we could do a whole nother program on, but I do need to, this needs to fit in there, because in, in the being motivated for truth, we have two examples from Scripture. And one is not to be followed, and one is to be followed. And the one that's not to be followed are the Pharisees. Mm -hmm. They were like, no, we're going to let you know. Did you? We're going to check in on you. Did you tithe down to the last minute in coming? Did you attend church? Did you do this? Is your, you know, is are you your, telling everybody what their sin is? Is your hair? Well, I mean, but it's it's on things that are that don't because it's it's not even about. These are not even sin. It's like is your hair length the right time? Did you gotcha. eat the right food? It's is your skirt length the right? Uh, and and they're like, yes, we're going to be for truth, so we got to do that. And so we have a, a significant portion of Christianity that even on what we're talking about transgender issues and whatever else, there is a way you can step into a spirit of a Pharisee, mm -hmm. and it's not the assignment. That's the right. other example is the the apostles, where they could get whipped. Um, this is, you go to the book of Acts and there's Paul and after they get, and Peter, uh, you know, even after they get whipped is like, uh, you can decide whether you want to do that to us or not, but we have to testify of who he is, what his capabilities, who is God. So we want to be spokesmen and we want to be brave and we want to be courageous and not care about consequences, but we want to do these things empowered and under the instruction of the Holy Spirit and not by the other ones. And so. I think my point with that was leaders in the body of Christ have to start speaking into societal issues out of love. We have to love the individuals and make place for people's process. But while at the same time understanding that if as a society we continue down this road, not it's not just about the person that's right in front of you that's hurting. It is about them, but it's also about the big picture of how this plays out. If we were to allow, for example, um, you know, I don't want to get into the transgender yeah. issue, but if we let certain things go the direction of the agenda that's pushing it, it actually long-term will hurt way more people. And so it, it requires, we, we're in a messy time right now. We're figuring these things out. Um, and we need what, the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, but there's no, no doubt about it. It's his first message. You are the salt. You are the light. So where there's darkness, and darkness is, there's a dark agenda. We have to be light. We have to learn how to do it his way. But that is, that is, uh, that is the assignment, and that is kind of the direction Things are going motivated by the Holy Spirit now, and it's away from where we've been. It's like, no, just 
keep these things to ourselves and in the four walls of the church. And so we've allowed these things not just to fester, but develop into strongholds of the enemy. So, and the agenda and I, comes after our children, one well, way or another. It comes after our children, and it's tragic on both ends of it. Um, so we pray, you know, pray for the communities that are that are sorting these kinds of issues through right now. And right now it's Nashville. But, um, you know, I have a follow-up interview that I am super excited about that you guys are going to get so much out of. It's um, Bobby Hobby from the Apostolic Resource Center, Eagle Mountain. And he is who we're spotlighting on someone you should know as a follow-up interview to this up for discussion. He's and amazing. he has the most amazing story of how God his own life. Yeah. God, he, he was, he was running with the whole Kurt Cobain kind of music part of Oregon back in the day, Portland. And God literally spoke audibly to him in his bed one night. And he tells that story along with some other incredible teaching. Um, he's somebody you're going to want to listen to. So look for that in a week from now, we'll be posting that. Um, would you like to pray and just pray over Let's do it. Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit, lives. <laughs> we just exalt you. We thank you for yeah. who you are. We honor you. Yeah. Uh, Jesus, you're part of the honor going there because without you coming and giving your life up freely and uh, all the way to obedience to the cross and going to the Father and then the Father sending the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. the, you, Holy Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all to be honored in what you're doing presently on planet Earth and wherever the enemy has been operational, you have come and you have come to destroy for this purpose. The Son of Man came to destroy the works of Satan. And this is our assignment. You said, as you are, so are we in this world. It's why you tell us to arise mm -hmm. and shine with your image in us. So we are to align with your image. We are to align with your presence, your power. And so Holy Spirit, I just ask right now for all those that are listening, mm -hmm. that you would release to them just your presence and your power of yes. baptism in the Holy Spirit, yes. such as they've never experienced before. Let it come to them right now. Let some feel it physically, just yeah. coming like a yeah. river that rises yeah. from inside. Some feeling it like a wind of your yes. presence, like, yes. the, like the disciples, like the apostles and those gathered in Acts chapter 2. There was a sound of rushing, mighty rushing wind. And then there was something that came in as wind itself. And so, Lord, release that right now and empower your sons and daughters to be the ambassadors, to be the ministers of reconciliation. They're called to be on this mountain as never before. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We'll see you next time on Up for Discussion.